0: It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you, left you, without a dope beat, step two, step two, step two, step two, step, two, step two. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you, without a dope beat, step two, step two, step two, step two, step, step two, pick it, pick it, pick it, baby. Well, it has been a long time, but we're back. It's your hosts of Donnie and Kevin and Mike. Well, what what? <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, Yeah, we're back. It's another season. It's hockey time. It is the uh, inaugural start to the 2019-20 NHL regular season, and we couldn't be more excited to be with you here again to talk Leafs and Habs, our favorite subject. What else is there to discuss really? Uh, nothing. Nothing nothing is important besides hockey. Trump, impeachment, the environment, who cares? It's yeah, I season. mean, yeah, those things are I guess are important, but uh <laughs> let's, let's talk hockey. Yeah, let's let's talk it. let's talk some good stuff, yeah, the fun stuff. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, we have a lot to talk about because the last time we did an episode was before the Leafs were eliminated in uh, 7 games to the Boston <laughs> Bruins in the first round of the playoffs last year. So, let's talk a little bit about what happened uh, in the playoffs, over the summer, uh, we'll do a catch-up episode, and then we'll we'll finish things off with our predictions for this year. So, uh, without further ado, uh, let's get going. Playoffs. Kevin, what did you think
1: about the Leafs' performance against Boston? I don't really care because, first of all, Montreal was robbed of an (laughs) appearance to get into the playoffs. All right, all right. Let's not make it all about the Habs here. (laughs) We're going to talk about the Leafs for the entire time? Come on. Uh, Pretty much. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, hey, the Leafs, uh, you know, they met their arch rivals again, Boston. It's always an entertaining series. and It was. You know, Toronto... Again, eliminated in seven, it was unfortunate to see, depending on who you ask, but uh, I, again, a lot of it come, a lot of the issues that come up was, or the biggest thing was off the, well, Austin Matthews, time management, the time he was on the yep. ice, you know, Babcock lights to- Playing him 18 minutes at night I, in the final game. Yeah, uh, you know, like, don't, these yeah. are the things where I don't really get, I'm not saying had Matthews been on the ice for longer, the result would have been different, no, but again, you never know what could have happened. Right, but it, it also showed that even with the acquisition of uh, John Tavares coming into the uh, coming into Leafs, there was no difference on the team, and they just suck. So <laughs>
0: wow, <that's> so harsh.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, You're, no. I,
0: I um I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I would say that they were uh, they were lacking in a couple of different areas. Uh, one, their penalty kill was absolutely atrocious. They had no answer for that top line, and few teams do, honestly. Yep. Pasternak, Bergeron, and uh, what's his name? Ratface, uh, Marshall. <laughs> uh, no teams can really compete with that. That line is, in my opinion, the best line in hockey. They are exceptionally talented. Uh, they're so good at what they do, and it's it's difficult to... Uh, uh, to really stop them, but the Leafs need to do a better job If, if they're ever going to get by Boston and you, you just know that it's going to happen again this year They make oh, the yeah. playoffs, they're playing Boston they've got a, I think it's a, at least a 30% chance that that's going to happen And it, it, To me it seems like a 100% chance uh, Just with the way that the uh, divisional format is aligned right now So it's going to be a challenge They have to figure out a way to do it uh, I think that they've made strides and we'll get to that based mm-hmm. on what they've done this offseason But what we saw in that uh, in that playoff series was, uh, in many ways, like history repeating itself. Kadri gets suspended again. Again, Uh, he he takes himself out of the series by uh, by going after some guy for uh, perceived injustice on the ice, and and yes, uh, some. Some yes. sins were committed. Right. Uh, but it doesn't
1: excuse you to go out and, and do that and, <laughs> and, and damage your team. Like. Exactly. Again, you, you, you've done this two years in a row. You handcuff your team. And with Qadri in the lineup, the Leafs were a much better team. Now, does this go to show that there wasn't enough depth on the team? I'm you know I'm not saying that, but Qadri is one of those players where when he's with the Leafs, a much tougher team to play against. He's the agitator. He's that sandpaper. Every team needs it. But Kadri never really learned how to reel it in, and when it happens two years in a row, it becomes an issue. And we did see that obviously in the off-season, the Leafs finally addressed the you know the elephant in the room. He was eventually shipped out, which we'll get around to later. But you know, was it? It's it's just one of those things where it's like you need to be able to control your temper, and this is where Kadri could not could not ever do it. And really, at the end of the day, you screwed your team over again. You put yourself in above the team. Nobody likes it. You're never going to last on any team as long as you do that, <coughs> PK Subban.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to uh, agree with you just for the sake of agreeing because it doesn't make for a good podcasting. But you're right. Uh, he, uh, he he just didn't he didn't control his emotions, and I love. I love what he brings. I, I love that he plays with a, with this heart on his sleeve. I love that he stands up for his teammates. Yeah, but you got to know when to draw the line. I agree, hundred percent. Cannot you cannot go over that edge because it will cost you and it will cost your team, and, and that's exactly what happened. The Bruins agitated him. They like Marchand is very very good at that. The rest of the team: Connor, Clifton, all, all these other guys, DeBrusque. Uh, they they targeted Kadri. They knew that he would respond this way. That was I'm sure Cassidy drew it up like that. I'm sure he said to his players. I want you to go after Kadri. I want you to get under his skin. I want you to make a stupid uh, mistake. And I and if we do that, then then we will be successful. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Babcock got outcoached 100% in that series uh, by Bruce Cassidy. Again. No, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about mm-hmm. that. Uh, so, so that was frustrating to watch. H- however, I do think that the Leafs played much better uh, if you take the first five games uh, into account, game six and game seven, they weren't quite there. But uh, overall, in the whole series, they played much better than they did uh, the year before. Yeah. The, the year before, yes, it went to seven games as well, but Boston was the better team. I don't think you could say that this time.
1: I think it was a pretty it was, much a coin flip. It was very equal. Like, and, and yes, the Leafs are, again, a step in the right direction. But... As, as somebody who's, again, who could respect the least, but is not one of their fans, you would expect that with the acquisition again of John Tavares, this would have been the guy to bring him over, at least bring him into the another round. And it seems like they just stalled again. Now,
0: now progression isn't always linear, right? So, this is true. Uh, yeah, they've, they've had three first-round exits, first year against Washington. Nobody even expected them to make the playoffs. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, But then the next two years, you go up against arguably one of the top. I mean, I don't even know if there's an argument. Top three team in the league, Mm -hmm. right? Boston Bruins. Yep, that's pretty shitty. If if the Leafs are facing any other team than Boston or Tampa, uh, you got to give them. 60-40% 60-40% chance that they're going to make it by, right? Like, it's it's just... Well, I mean, not not including Montreal. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Maybe not Montreal, because sometimes Montreal has their number, but I still
1: think, yeah, they would have steamrolled Montreal. <laughs> relax, relax a second, okay? You remember that last game of the season, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Good old
0: Ryan Pauline. Good old Ryan Pauline. four point eight. Not bad, yeah. He hit him with Matthews, yeah, hey, uh, four points, there you uh, go. basically, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, all right, so... Yeah, the Leafs didn't make it to the second round, but uh, we'll see what happens this year. As always, uh, with, with both teams, I think the Leafs and the Habs are on the way up. So uh, excited to see what they do. In terms of the rest of the playoffs, I kind of didn't care at that point once the Leafs were gone. Uh, yeah, I was watching, but my heart wasn't in it. You know, I, as I a fan of a team, yeah. uh, it's difficult to watch. Uh, you still like to see it because, hey, hockey is hockey and hockey's great. Uh, you love to see people do amazing things and, and rise to the top of their sport. Uh, and I was happy for St. Louis. St. Louis, of course, ends up winning it over Boston,
1: which is uh, also extra good. That uh, that must have been very satisfying. For it was me to see the fate, the the look on the Boston players' faces after losing, especially. I, I can't. Was it Marchand who was crying? I can't. There remember was. They, I think there were some tears there. Some tears yeah, of some yeah. players,
0: and which it, kind of surprised me because a lot of those guys won in 2011. Yeah. Not, not everybody like the younger guys weren't there, but uh, the, the old guards, certainly, the Charas and Bergerons, and I'm pretty sure Marchand was there. Marchand was there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but of course, like yeah, you're so competitive. You're a, a world class athlete. You want to win every time. Absolutely. And they came within inches yeah. of winning. Goes to game seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just fall a little bit short. Yeah. Bennington and the Blues. Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, yeah. huge. yeah. Huge. Uh, fantastic series. I, I love the the underdogs, mm-hmm. St. Louis, going from worst last place in the league to winning it all. Yeah. Incredible story. Uh, like you can't you can't even make that up. That's it just seems so unlikely that that were to happen. and a lot of people think that it's not going to happen again to see something like that. Uh, and, and they're probably right, the, the, it's, the odds of that happening were incredibly low, of them even making the playoffs, and then to win it all after that is, yep, absolutely. is awesome. And it's the first cup for St. Louis too, yeah. which, is, uh, which is great. And it's also great because, hey, uh, it puts even more pressure on the Leafs to win, uh, because now uh, they're one of the few teams that uh, hasn't won it since 1967-68, uh, you know, <laughs> which everybody knows. So, uh, moving on, uh, before I wallow in uh, more self-pity, about
1: the the least losing streak can can i remind you that i i've seen montreal win two cups in my lifetime
0: that's great i'm so happy for you (laughs) 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 yeah no sarcasm there at all none none received yeah um i I can only hope that you don't have to wait 50 plus years (laughs) plus 1993 to see the next one um so mike babcock let's talk about him uh uh, I think he almost got fired. If, if you read some of the accounts that have come out over the summer, and even recently, um, bless his heart Dave Feschuk, who has, has been one of the most notorious uh, beat writers for the Leafs, uh, published a story the other day about how uh, there was uh, talks of firing him at uh, the season-ending meetings between Shanahan and Dubas, and one of them wanted him gone, the other one said no, we need to give him one more chance. Really. I don't know. Did did, did he go
1: into uh, who won and gone and who wanted to stay, or was that not not revealed?
0: I uh, I would have to reread the the article because I'm not 100 percent sure. But from what I saw, and, and I have no idea how close he is to the team, who, who his sources are, he could have been making this up because it's journalism, and who knows? Was like it an E5? He an E6? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it, it could be an Eklund E5. There you go. Um, but in any case, he wrote it. He published the story. So uh, he. You would, you would think, based on journalistic integrity, that he's got a source, a, a valid source. Fake uh, news. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> In this day and age, who knows? Everything is fake. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's just interesting that, uh, that stories like that are coming out, and I'm not surprised. Uh, this is a results-based business, and mm-hmm. it, it's not like if you're the weatherman, you can be wrong nine times out of ten and still have a job. Yeah. If you miss the playoffs <laughs> nine times out of ten, or if you make the playoffs... But losing the first round nine times out of 10, you're going to get fired Mm -hmm. uh, because people want to win. And if you have the talent that the Leafs have, you're expected to win or at least get to the next round. Uh, There's no excuses. I think this is
1: he is on his last season. If, Mm -hmm. If he can't provide at least... At least uh, the, an incremental growth? You know, I, with the team that they currently have, I would think Easter Conference Final is not hard for them to get to. No, it, it really shouldn't be. The, the problem is that they've got Boston and
0: Tampa, two juggernauts within their own division. Mm-hmm. That's their path to the Cup. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not fair, but that's the reality. And, yeah, you got to get by those two teams if you want to win. Uh, they have to do that. I, I think if they lose to Boston or Tampa in the first round, Babcock's gone. I think he knows mm-hmm. it. Uh, They've got a great coach in the AHL, Sheldon Keefe, waiting in the wings. Uh, I I would expect that he would be the one that would be called up if if that were to happen. Uh, And he, for for all accounts, is a very progressive coach. Uh, He's very good at getting a lot of effort out of uh, young players, uh, veteran players, uh, both, and uh, already has a rapport with almost half the team based on the fact that they've all gone through the Marley system. Mm -hmm. So so that would be an obvious choice. I hope it doesn't get to that because if it does it means that yet another year has been wasted and we've we haven't uh, made any strides Uh, but it's such a frustrating thing because it really comes down to luck in many cases you get to the playoffs yeah you're a good team you make the playoffs you should be a good team and the Leafs are the Habs are too I expect both of them should be right there I I think the Habs will make it Uh, but on the Leafs side there is a very good chance that they will lose. There is a better chance that they will lose and they will win, just based on odds. Mm -hmm. There's only one team that's gonna win. Uh, But people spin narratives, and there's such a a pressure in a big market like Toronto, like Montreal. If you don't win, if you don't have success, uh, people will put pressure on the team justified or not and that's just the nature of where, where we're at babcock knows this mm-hmm. he signed on for this he could have coached buffalo if he wanted to but he didn't he wanted to be in toronto he who, wanted the spotlight who really wants to coach buffalo nobody exactly yeah. <laughs> i'm sure ralph kruger is like uh, i guess i'll take the job you better pay me a lot of money <laughs> kruger is interesting man i don't know if you know his story he was a soccer coach he was coaching soccer in Cre- for the last couple of years yeah <laughs> this guy is like was, a renaissance
1: man like he's a, a he's a Interesting guy, totally interesting guy. I wonder if he's going to be um, lobbying to have that no kicking motion for a goal <laughs> being reversed <laughs> here. You never know, right? Who knows?
0: But I'm sure he's going to bring some interesting ideas to that team. I, I, I am. Uh, I'm going to be paying attention to what Buffalo does this Stop year. Stop playing
1: with your hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Brilliant strike.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, All right, so speaking of coaching being on the hot seat, another barometer of that is when a team fires or lets go of its (laughs) assistant coaches, and that's exactly what the Leafs did over the summer. Uh, So uh, one of their assistant coaches, DJ Smith, is now the head coach of the Ottawa Senators, who the Leafs played last night. Uh, Today is uh, October 3rd for those listening uh, in the future at some point, 2019. Uh, So, yeah, DJ Smith is gone. Uh, The other assistant coach that they had, Jim Hiller, who uh, was Babcock's right-hand man in Detroit as well, power play specialist. Uh, They let go of him as well, and they brought in uh, Paul McFarland from the Panthers, who was uh, their power
1: play guy. You know, just speaking of the Leafs power play, I was watching the game last night, and i got to say, like, the talent that Leafs have right now... Watching those guys move the puck around is a thing of beauty. It looks really it good. It looks nice. It, it does look already,
0: I, I saw improvements over what they were doing last year. Yeah. And, like, the whole the whole game, uh, they were doing things that I didn't see them do last year. Last year, they seemed to be relying a lot on those big stretch passes. Yeah. And like, like yeah, it looks awesome if you connect tape to tape o- across like two different lines or two different zones. Uh, but it fails more often than it works. Yeah. And it's it's a risky play. Like you, you shoot it up the the puck up the middle of the ice. Somebody's gonna intercept it, go down the other way, yeah. get a break. They didn't do that. I don't I didn't I don't know if I saw that once this game. They were making a lot of short, crisp tape to tape passes, uh, easy, organized attack the zone, uh, very very different structure. So you mm-hmm. you could tell that they were trying out different things, mm-hmm. uh, and I loved it. Power play as well, loved it. They have um, so they switched Matthews. And Marner, uh, opposite sides, so now they're, they're on their like uh, dominant hands. So if they, they can get one timers now, they're, they're practicing that. They were never doing that before. They were just mm-hmm. taking wristers. They're, they're both obviously great wrist shots. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to have more than one tool in your arsenal. Yeah. Uh, so they, they did that. And then now they've got Tavares in front, uh, in like net front presence, where he's naturally been all mm-hmm. his career when he was with the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, goals, he scores goals from there. It's, it's a great position to be in. Mm-hmm. It's working. It looks good. It looks really good. It looked really good. I I think, like you saw Marner to Matthews, that pass. Oh, uh, yeah. Thing of beauty, man. Uh, Those guys are going to light it up this year. It's going to be fun to watch. So I I think they made the right move. They they also brought in Dave Haxtell. Uh, He used to be the head coach of the Flyers. I think he was a little bit uh, maligned. uh, Mm. uh, And and looking at what uh, Flyers fans have said about him uh, online, uh, a lot of people weren't too happy with what he did there. So... Color me a little bit of a skeptic, uh, skeptic with him, but we'll see what he brings. Uh, I think he's going to be focused more on the PK this year, so he's yeah, defense and, PK. And
1: again, some, some coaches need a little bit more time being insistent to really fine-tune certain things. So it's like, I get if you sure. head coach and you weren't ready for the role, all the, all the power to you. But he's not a head coach, so... To take to, to you gotta really take it with a grain of salt when you're reading these criticisms. Again, now he's only focusing on one aspect or one side of the game. Something that he's probably really good at. Yeah. So clean your just, strengths, right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Maybe that's he was exactly in over his head in Philly. First first NHL yeah. full time coaching
0: job for him. So right. now exactly. you can you don't have all the pressure, you can let Babcock take the heat, yeah. focus on uh, what, you're, what you think you're good at, and, yeah. uh, and, and I think he's got, he's obviously got more talent to play with in mm. Toronto than he did with that Philly team. For sure. Uh, so I, th- I think it's a good move for them. Mm-hmm. I like it. And it puts more pressure on Babcock to succeed, because yeah. he's got two really good, capable assistant coaches, and then he's got a, a great coach in the AHL as well. Mm-hmm. So just like how you want competition for all your spots... You get a bunch of guys uh, that play for those third, fourth line spots, bottom pairing Ds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just it makes everybody better, right? Rising tide lifts all boats. So that's a lot of talk about the Leafs. Uh, why don't we shift gears a little bit and talk about how the Habs finished two points behind the Leafs.
1: That's right. Just two points <laughs> behind the Leafs. When you think about that in the grand scheme of things, two points
0: – it's kind of hard to believe. I, I feel like they played at such different paces throughout the year, but but the Leafs really did slow down in the second half, and the Habs had a pretty strong finish to the year. Mm-hmm.
1: They were right there. They 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 just missed.
0: It, it's a the, game of inches in the end of the grand scheme of things, right? And
1: and it really came down to I think they were eliminated in the second to last game in the season after uh, Columbus had won one of their yeah. games, and it was just like, ah, uh, but and then when you see Columbus. Shell Shock Tampa. You
0: wonder if like could have Montreal have done the same thing? Maybe they go on a
1: Cinderella run. Exactly, exactly. Although I will say Columbus was really running on a high. I really think that they took it to a next level. I don't think Tampa was at all expecting them to be as good as they were. I I really think Tampa underplayed them or did not respect them as a team. I personally think so. And Torts came out of nowhere with his players, stack team. Uh, the GM of Columbus, who pretty much like went, yeah. went all in. Like I respect this I, I, guy. I respect that a lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like I don't think that was a typical eighth seed team. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at how loaded uh, up that lineup was, like getting obviously having Panarin and Bobrovsky uh, there. Like you knew they were going to leave, but uh, he took a chance anyway, and he, and he he supported them bringing in Matt Duchesne. He brought in Zingle. Uh, he basically got like half the Ottawa Senators. Pretty
1: much, <laughs> yeah. which is surprising because yeah. Ottawa's just. You know. Yeah, a dumpster fire. Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: but you know. Now you know. Now they're rebuilding properly, and we'll we'll see. It's always Melnick has the final say, so you never really know what's going to happen. But anyway, uh, yeah, Columbus looked like a good, a, a, a very good team, and they uh,
1: they turned up. Uh, they turned up uh, Tampa. In, in ways that I don't think anybody expected that sweep I don't think anybody expected that sweep I and mean, just even the players the ten players just looked shocked yeah. that they were out you know yeah. I and mean, every single game they were manhandled and
0: that made me feel better about the Leafs losing because yeah the Leafs <laughs> lost in the first round but guess what Tampa
1: and Pittsburgh way worse <laughs> at least we didn't get swept exactly exactly you, know, you, you gotta look at everything on you know the class is half full yeah you guys didn't the get off, swept guys. exactly <laughs> so you guys eventually lost to the, you know, the runners up of the, of, of the cup in the past in the in the year, so you know, hey, not bad, not a bad thing. But you know, as a have spent, it was tough to watch. But you know, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, the team wasn't expected to do anything in the past year. Um, they, they surprised everybody, they surprised myself. You know, bring the whole drafting with Kotkanaini, bringing in Domi, trading out Pacioretty, trading out Galchenyuk. Everybody was up in arms, more so with the Galchenyuk deal than with the Pacioretty one. It looked like a bad deal at the time, but since then, I mean, Domi had a
0: great year, right?
1: Phenomenally year. Galchenyuk didn't. got yeah. hurt, but... Uh, hurt again. Yeah. Traded again for another time now in Pittsburgh. So, you know, you start seeing these these trends of certain players, and Pacioretty's by no slouch, you know he's doing great in Vegas. Happy for the guy, but you look at what Montreal got back in return with Tom Satar sending oh, a career. That here. such a
0: good trade for you, guys.
1: Nick Suzuki. I mean, Satar yeah. is the throw-in, and then he puts up what like 60, 65 points last year. Exactly, and it's like, like that's a great throw-in. Yeah, you know, and we got, a, and there was also a draft pick included, I believe, as well. So yeah. I mean, second rounder or something. Yeah, like that? so you know, Berge has bad. Bergeron done some good things right now. You know, he's pulled he off has. some really good trades recently. Uh, you know, we'll get into more of their signings a little bit later on, but it also begs the question is Berger on the hot seat? Now, being... I think he bought himself some goodwill last year. Like that, that went a long way. He, he did. Now, Montreal is one of those teams where they've had a really bad year. You know, they finished with 70 some odd points a few, I can't, I can't remember how long ago this was, missed the playoffs. The following year, top, first in the Atlantic, 100 and something points and The following year, they followed up with like 80 something points. They shit the bed again. Don't make the playoffs the following year. Again, 100 something points. First, they make the playoffs. Although, again, no success. But it was one of those things. And then again, last year, although it wasn't a as much of a drop off, really, they should have made the made the playoffs if the structure was top 16 teams in the league make it. Montreal should have been there, and you, it, it always irks me to see the stands that you're in. Oh, yeah, you Colorado see, gets
0: in with 90 points I, or whatever in the it, West. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Hey, uh, we have 96, and we're missing. Yeah, you know. And it's it, probably going to be the same thing this year. In the East, if you look at, like, oh, the top eight teams are so stacked. Florida got way better, too, so they're going to be competing with Montreal yep. for that spot. Oh, yeah. 98 points is probably going to be the, like, eighth, eighth seed, which yeah. is insane.
1: It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. So, but it's great for competition. I love it's, it. It's just making such exciting hockey but you we're now kind of look at well is a is are the moves that he's made like how much time really has a bottom if the team if they make the playoffs and they make a little bit of noise I think he'll be safe but if but I also kind of look at it in a certain way well you know who he's drafted who's coming up the last few years but prospects are prospects they' are they're not proven they haven't done anything sure they can be doing well in in whatever league they're currently playing in you know we see a lot of a lot of players like and I'll throw out a couple names. Montreal had, who was Hunter St. Carrick last year. Nick Patan, who's on the Leafs this year. Yeah. These players had really great, uh, ta- really good times with the Canada Junior team, winning goals, bringing the finals and A lot of big names. Oh, these guys are going to be great. And you're both of them are relative flameouts in the NHL. Yeah. For, for every guy
0: that makes it, there's two or three that don't. Exactly. Five or six even, right? Exactly. Like you never really
1: know. You never know. It's, it's, it's totally a crowd shoot. So it's like one of those things you look at, like, yeah, all these players are doing great right now. These prospects are great, but they're unproven. But until those guys either make it or don't make it, Bergeret seems to have done a good job. So, but really is is the time coming for him. You know, I like what Claude Junge has done over the past two years with the team. Last year was his first full year with the team, and we really saw the team take strides in the right direction. So Julien is gonna still working his system, the Habs Farm team with Joel Bouchard now, they're starting they're starting to structure their the team this year is just stacked with talent. I know there's a lot of fringe NHL players on the team right now, That, but it's great to have this kind of depth on your team, where if you do have an injury, you have NHL-ready players that have been there that can carry the load if somebody does get injured. So it's nice to see. It's great to see some of these also veteran guys down there. You know, not not your Carl, Carl Osners, which, you know, I'll get in. Like, you know, I, I actually kind of feel bad for the guy, to be honest. He came into this offseason. He lost a bunch of weight. He slimmed down. He understands that it's a much faster game, and you can tell the guy really wants to play in the NHL. Yeah, he's
0: he's hungry. He wants to get back there.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I don't think he had like you know a, a bad a bad preseason or whatever. He looks okay out there, but obviously Montreal's like, well, we have better defense than that. We'd rather play. But really, I I really would love to see Montreal trade him because I I he's just a nice guy. He's. He's taking everything with a great Like you know, so he's, I don't want like, any defenseman. I feel like he'd be perfect for that. I, I think just Winnipeg, guy, yeah. Winnipeg, yeah, Winnipeg true. Could, could use some defensemen, but it's like yep. you know, retain some salary, trade him, do something, give the guy a chance to play in the NHL game, Because I really think he can be a capable defender. He just doesn't fit on the leaves i um, the sorry, not the Leafs on the Habs depth mm-hmm. chart right now. Wouldn't fit on the Leafs either. <laughs> 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 We've already got Cody <laughs> C. <CC>, okay, <laughs> is he your curl Olson? <laughs> I
0: hope. I hope not. I hope he's. Uh, I hope he proves to be better than what everybody says about him and and what he's done on Ottawa. I, I really think this is a tangent. I, we're we're getting into something else, but uh hey, talking related. It's yeah. never a tangent. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't planned though. It isn't part of our schedule, Kevin. We got to stick to it. There's a process. You got to trust the process. The hell with the process. Yes. No, man. It's uh, CC was uh, was thrown to the wolves in Ottawa. They, they played him in top pairing minutes. Uh, he got destroyed. Just absolutely destroyed. Uh, he's got yeah. talent. I've seen him play. Yeah. He, he can do he can do good things on the ice, but I think you need to play him where he should be. Where playing. he should
1: be in Which is probably the
0: third order. pairing, if we're being honest. Yeah, uh, that's not where he's at even right now. They, they got him paired with Riley. Uh, hopefully, they can. I know it's. Wait, are you serious? serious? They got him paired with Riley, so he's basically okay. he's he's this year's Ron, Ron Hainsey, Hainsey or uh, Nikita Saitsev. It's, oh. it's the same sort of thing. Who he was traded for? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. we'll get into that too, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does in the preseason watching some of those games uh, there were some things he did that I liked some things he did that were atrocious and I think that's what people tend to fixate on it's, it's the bad things right? oh yeah
1: it happens nope, it nobody happens rem- with every defender nobody remembers the good things you do they only remember the bad Yeah, human nature right yeah it is yeah uh, yeah. So, going back to Bergeron
0: though, there's one other thing that I, I wanted to touch on, and it's uh, it's the offer sheet that mm-hmm. they made to uh, Sebastian Aho, which was accepted. The only one that was accepted this year. Everybody was talking about offer sheets. I know. And how, like, Marner was going to get one, Braden Point was going to get one. Line A was going to yeah, get all one. All these players, and it actually ends up being the Habs that uh, table the one uh, that ends up getting accepted. Yeah. Interesting. Uh,
1: what do you think about this? Y- you know... I read an interesting tweet today, and I'll get to that back in a second, but everybody was kind of shitting on Bergevay saying, your offer for AHO was way too low, it should have been higher, 8.545 or whatever the hell it was. You know, Berger was hedging on, hey, we're, we have cash just like Toronto does. You know, we can offer a bu- majority of the money in signing bonuses. Got a ton of salary cap space, that's for sure. A lot of salary cap space. But just so in cash on hand, to pay on a signing bonus, like 80% or whatever salary is paid in the first two years. Yeah. Then the rest of the cap in. And he figured, hey, Carolina won't be able to match this because I guess may had some kind of inkling or knowing that the owner of Carolina had spent a whole bunch of money on some other business venture or some other side of it. Figured he was strapped for cash. Didn't end up happening. That's an interesting, interesting perspective if it
0: pays off. I like that he's doing his homework and digging into that yeah. stuff. Uh, I think maybe if – the criticism of that move is he he paid him market value and he got what he deserved. And maybe if he went to 10, 5, 11, like gave him a bully offer and just – Blew him out of the water. Wait, wait does he look like Dubas? I mean, yeah. On, let's,
1: yeah. Let's, let's, let's take All right, take your shots. Get, get your shots oh, no, in now. We'll get into the Toronto <laughs> side a little bit later. But yeah. were, the, the tweet that I was referring to, I saw today, and they were talked about like that, okay, Bergevin went in. His offer was two at 8.45, or 8.... Sorry, 5.4. Um, you look at players, Patrick Laine signed two years, 6.75 million. Kyle Connor at 7.1 million. Um now, a lot of these are bridge deals, so let's keep that in mind. Yeah. A lot of these players signed for three-year contracts, two year deals. True. Uh Brayden Point yep. signed six. Six point seven five. So you have all, chuck 7 million, I believe. Yeah, there, To years. Chuck, 7 million was the next one. So you have all these players that signed for market value. And yeah. and Burge Bay came in a little bit higher, at 8.54, which like it was for a five-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. And and again, in five years, yeah, maybe if he had done a three-year deal, maybe they would have said, Okay, no, we won't do it, but to me, that for Aho, that was market value. And this is what Bridge was doing. He's not going to mortgage the Bridge saying, I don't want to mortgage the future. You don't want to have too much money tied up into one or too many players. <coughs> Toronto. But uh, <laughs> it, it will come back to haunt you. So I, I understand it, but I also think it was it was I thought it was a pretty fair deal. I didn't like I'm, I was glad that it didn't go like 9.5, 10.5. Yeah. Because I mean I love Aho. But like I would think to pay that for a Panarin, for a Mitch Marner, for you know, like then I, I just don't see Aho oh, as elite level as these guys I find just a little peg below. He's, he's close. I,
0: I I would tend to agree. I, I think he's young enough that he could get there, but I haven't seen that level of dynamicism that you see with a Marner yeah. or, uh, or like a Ranton or one of those guys, right? He, like he
1: reminds you a little bit of like an Anders Lee type of play. You know what I mean? Like a little... He's I mean, better than
0: Lee, but yeah, really, I know what you mean.
1: You know what I'm talking about?
0: And maybe it's because I don't watch enough Carolina games, so apologies to any... Carolina fans that might be listening to this podcast, I'd be sh- I'd be shocked if there's even one of you out there. You should be <laughs> it's the greatest podcast on earth. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but, so apologies in advance, but uh, I honestly haven't seen enough of Ajo's play. I, I just see him when he's playing the Leafs or Habs or watching the odd game here and there, highlights. Uh, but I, I don't I don't see that that same level that you see from these top end guys like the the creative flashiness. I, I, honestly, obviously, he's a good player. He puts up point of game in the league. You got to be a good player. Uh, but I think you're right. I think he's just a, a little bit below a peg a below, below the level guys. players. Yeah. So I, yeah, you're right. I, he signed a fair market deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mitch Marner. So we may as well talk about this because it's a good segue. Uh, Mitch Marner did not sign a fair deal. He signed above market for uh, for what he uh, for what he sh- should have gotten, in my opinion, and I think in almost anybody else's opinion. Uh, he signs a six year deal, which is great because hey, at least we've got him locked down for long term. It's not a three year deal where we got to worry about this bullshit again in, mm-hmm. in three years. Deal with his agent again in three years. Uh, we is can forget agent? about
1: it is his agent his father or no no, no his okay. agent
0: is Darren Ferris okay. uh, but he, he made some rather incendiary remarks over the last year uh, and just a lot of comments that I think rubbed the fan base the wrong way and rightly so he, he was saying things like oh like my client deserves you know like Austin Matthews money like he should be paid like Matthews I don't care about other comparables in the league I don't care it's, it's Matthews Yeah. and in the end uh Dubas basically listened to him he said hey, really? yeah I, I want this guy on my team i don't want this to drag out i'm gonna give you 10.893 million dollars a year for yeah. six years yeah how's that well yeah that sounds pretty good to me uh because that's uh, a million and a half a million almost two million dollars more than anybody else has ever signed in terms of a winger mm-hmm. uh nikita kucherov who won the scoring title last year with 128 points uh, is
1: paid $9.5 million a year. Yeah. Why does Martin deserve more than that? Exactly. And and if you're going to start using, well, oh, it's a tax situation. It's this. Uh, Fuck then, go, then go play in Tampa. do yeah. will let them sign you. Bye. Yeah, and, you and,
0: and he even brought that up. So his agent brought that up. He said, well, uh, Martin received two offer sheets this year, and he did not sign them. Uh, um, he didn't want to play anywhere else but Toronto. Well, I'd be like,
1: well, why didn't you sign them? Yeah. We'll take our draft picks. Thank you very much. Have a good life. With the yeah. team, with the players, that you give. if you have Tavares, if you have Matthews, if you have Nylander, I mean, I'm not saying Marner's expendable. I mean, out of those three, let Mar- let, let Nylander walk. But you know what I mean? Yeah, it, like it's, it's,
0: it's, it's honestly just, uh, from a Leafs fan perspective, it's just frustrating because you, you see every other team be able to get their star players to take hometown discounts. Yes. And for whatever reason... Uh, Dubas wasn't able to make it happen mm. with uh, with his star players here, and I don't know what happens behind closed doors. I don't know what they're talking about, how the negotiations are going. But from an outsider's perspective, it looks like Dubis got hose. Mm. I, I don't think there's any way around that. There's there's no other way to perceive this. Uh, Matthew signs a five year deal for eleven point north of eleven point five million. Uh, Marner uh, ten point eight nine three even neilander at 6.9 is uh, looking like like that's i think that's a fair contract but a lot of people think it's over uh, overpriced over market uh meanwhile you look at any other team in the league right now they're getting all their star players signed to these sweetheart three-year bridge deals for fair market or maybe a little bit below fair market uh so why can't Toronto do the same thing? Mm. Is it because Toronto is such a gigantic market? I think that's garbage.
1: I, I think so too. I agree a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. No, I, I honestly think it comes down to to Dubas, Shenhan, and whoever else is involved in these negotiations. Uh, I think they made a mistake giving um, um, um. Matthews the deal that they gave him because it set a precedent. Mm-hmm. Nealander is one thing, uh, 6.9 million, sure. I mean, six year deal. I think he's going to be worth that deal in the long run. I I think that's a fair contract. But he did uh, hold out until December 1st, the very last day that he could hold out for. Mm -hmm. uh, And instead of signing him to, you know, at that point you'd think the player would be desperate and would sign anything or risk sitting out for a year, he signs for 6.9 mil, uh, which is what they could have offered him in July and he he probably would have taken it. Right. Why go through all that heartache and have him burn a year? And then get publicly maligned by everybody. Brian Burke, everybody shits on the guy. Uh, he had to perform because he's not up to uh, to game shape for the rest of the season, uh, and it's just created this this negativity around the team around this contract situation. And the the same thing was going to happen with Marner. and it did. It, it just sort of it almost became even worse. There was this fervor around. Oh, like this kid's getting greedy, like he wants all this money, he's not gonna sign for less than, you know, 10, 11, 12 million, all these crazy numbers are getting thrown mm-hmm. out. And the agent is, is fanning the flames because of course this looks good on him, uh, because he's he's drumming up all this like media hype and like the Draker and all these other people are picking up on it. And it just it just becomes this ridiculous echo chamber that is classic Toronto media when it comes to hockey. I'm sure you're used to it being uh, a Montreal fan as well. It happens there, too. Uh, I just feel like our markets, more than any other markets, uh, have to deal with this extra level of ridiculousness. And it costs, in this type of situation, it costs the teams their ability to sign players for reasonable deals. Now, we haven't seen a player of Mitch Marner's caliber on Montreal recently, uh, so I would be very curious to see like if, if Kakanyami reaches that level or mm-hmm. the next guys that come up, Nick, Zuzuki, whoever it ends up being. If they end up being that type of player, are we going to see the same thing play out? Or are they going to say, like, no, I want to
1: take a hometown discount? You, you know, I, I would think that these guys are going to take a hometown discount because they're just not from Toronto. And they, people from Toronto seem to have this... Entitlement to them, Mike. <laughs> I'm not from Toronto. You're from Ontario. I just live here. You're from Ontario,
0: good enough. No, Don't no. you denigrate Sarnia like that. I'm a small town guy, small town values. But
1: not greedy. <laughs> Where's my other beer? But no, it, it, you know, all jokes aside, but I, I kind of see this... You know, it, it's almost like a recipe for a disaster with the Leafs and their current contract situation. We were talking about this a little bit earlier where, yeah. and it's been talked about everywhere, where you see that the Leafs have almost 50% or 50% of their cap signed to four players. That being Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Include Raleigh in there, that's over, and Riley is on a very team-friendly contract, but included in there, five players, over 50% of your cap is allocated to them. So I'll say this about about that. You're right. It's it's definitely not ideal.
0: Uh, I I do agree that they overpaid uh, their top stars by probably two or three million dollars a year. Uh, and if if they had that extra money, that's a capable third line player. It's a capable uh, second pairing, third pairing defenseman that they're losing out on. Uh, however, uh, I would rather overpay your stars than overpay your depth players, which they are not doing right now. They are very, very efficient with the rest of their contracts. If you look up and down their lineup, uh, they're paying guys on the third line two or three million or less mm-hmm. some of these guys like your Trevor Moores uh, your um, Ilya Mikhaev who they just brought in yeah. uh, they're paying those guys like 925000 a year so Trevor Moores making seven hundred and seventy-five grand a year for the next two years Yeah, that's value like they're yeah. finding value and they're going to be able to do this because they have the guy that wrote the freaking CBA <laughs> on the team Brandon Prenum he, <laughs> He is the cap wizard, so he knows how to get out of these situations. I trust that he and the rest of uh, management will be able to figure this out. It's mm. just they've made
1: it a little bit harder on themselves, obviously. True, but the other side of the coin is that you're going to have to look at those role players are going to have to keep changing if the team doesn't have any success. And obviously, if these players do have success, the Leafs won't have money to sign them later on down the road. Like, the cap, yes, it will go up, but that's just incrementally. If Trevor Moore or Ilya Zakayev or whatever his name was, if they have great years, they're going to be demanding three, four, five million, and then they're going to walk. So that's the thing. So the 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 challenge with that, you're absolutely right, Uh, and
0: it happened this past year. So uh, prime example, Uh, they signed Tyler Ennis last year as a free agent. He played Mm -hmm. on the fourth line, had a good year for the Leafs, Mm -hmm. chipped in uh, with some points here and there. Uh, They couldn't afford to re-sign him because uh, he was going to make more than a million bucks and. That they knew that they were tight against the cap. Yeah, the exact same thing is going to happen this year. So, uh, Trevor Moore luckily assigned for uh, one more year after this. Same with Nick Patan, mm-hmm. but a guy like uh, uh, Ilya Mikheyev. Um, apologies, I probably butchered that name. <laughs> uh, who uh, scored a goal last night? Uh, looked really good against Ottawa. Yeah. If he gets you know fifteen goals, whatever. He's gone. They can't, they can't re-sign him. Yeah. They're going to have to find the next guy like that.
1: Exactly. And this is where it becomes a revolving door. Yeah. Down you those. saw it
0: with Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, this is what happens. Good mm-hmm. teams are going to be cash strapped. They're mm-hmm. going to be tight against the cap just by nature of being competitive, uh, pay, paying players what they're worth, or even more, overpaying if you have to, to ice uh, the most competitive lineup you can it's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate reality of, of a, a hard cap situation like the NHL has. I, I would love to go back to pre cap <laughs> days where the, can you imagine the Leafs had incompetent management for so long w- without a salary cap. And then finally you get good management and now you have a hard cap to deal with. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just stupid. Like if, if you had smart people back then, uh, like Fletcher and you know, all these guys were, were pretty good. They're, they were decent managers of talent. Uh, But I think the team that we have now is is probably about as smart as we've ever had. Uh, Imagine what they had uh, with an unlimited budget. Like, give me all your players. $20 million (laughs) contracts. I don't care. (laughs) Give them all of us.
1: Like, we're going to ice a fucking all-star lineup every single year. (laughs) You know, all I see this is the Leafs are just building up to another Muskoka 5. You know, hey, we, they, they've got they've got the blueprint already. You know, they all say history <laughs> finds a way to repeat itself, and I'm seeing that right now at the Leafs. We got a good Muskoka Five going on right here. So, all right, I'll say
0: this. I'll say this about that Muskoka Five. Yeah, that was a thing. It was 2008. Matt Sandin was was coming up to the tail end of his career. He chose not to get traded. He had the option. He had a no trade clause. He didn't want to get traded because he loved Toronto. He loved playing with the Leafs. And Doesn't that sound like Mitch Marner and uh, Teteras and all yeah, the other players? It, it could very well. It could very well <laughs> play out that way. And, and, and like we said earlier in this uh, in this episode, there's only one team that can win every year. Yeah. It, there's a good chance that it's not going to be the Leafs. However, they have put themselves in a position. To be competitive, and they're giving themselves a chance to win every year, and that's all you can ask for as a fan. Oh, there you go. Playoffs is a dice roll, man. Yeah. You don't, you just don't know what's going to happen. Small sample sizes, all that. Uh, you you just don't you, you don't know if you're going to come up against a hot team. If you're going to be that hot team, all you can do is put yourself in a position to have success and see what happens. So I think the Leafs have done that, and and hats off to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, say what you will about Dubas and his. Failures uh, in terms of his negotiation abilities, and I think that's fair criticism. Uh, he had he is a great evaluator of talent. Uh, he's assembled an excellent roster. I love the moves that he made in the offseason to, uh, to even get to the stage. Uh, if you go up and down what they did in the summer, it's it's gargantuan. Mm-hmm. The the amount of turnover on the team is is insane. Half the team is different this yeah. year. So what, why don't we get into that? Why don't we talk about the offseason moves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So okay, so. Obviously, uh, last year the Leafs had a couple of players that were maligned by the fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, players that were either past their prime in Patrick Marlowe or uh, just weren't working out in uh, Nikita Zaitsev mm-hmm. or were just a little bit overpaid for what they brought in Connor Brown. Mm-hmm. So these are players that made a combined about $10 million in salary. Uh, Hey, what do you know? That's about the price of one Mitch Marner. Uh, uh, Which would you rather have? Marlowe Brown, and Zaitsev, or Mitch Marner? I know who i choose. Uh, Marlowe
1: Brown.
0: (laughs) They made that call. They they chose the same way I would have. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you got a... Like, with Marlowe. you traded away your first-round pick this year, so they're already without a pick. Mm -hmm. They basically traded Marlowe and a pick for cap space. Mm -hmm.
1: uh, Which... I think had to be done. Wasn't Marlowe bought out by Carolina afterwards? He was. You know, I I, again, here's another one of those players where I think he had the dream of going back to San Jose. I think he thought that that was going to happen. Yeah. And it, San Jose ended up not wanting him back. I. I, I mean, it's, again, It's unfortunate. It, it, but hey, that's, that's he didn't the nature of play. the game. Yeah, he yeah. didn't want
0: to play in Carolina. I think he, he basically said, I'm either going to play in Toronto this year or San Jose, yeah. and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Maybe he would have gone to L.A. or... Um, uh, Anaheim because he likes uh, Southern California. I mean, who can blame a guy? Who I mean, the hell doesn't? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I yeah. love that place. I'm yeah, gonna... man. <laughs> uh, but uh, at the same time, I think he didn't want to be anywhere else. He didn't want to uproot his family yeah. another time. So they've gone back there. He's practicing in, in San Jose right now. Like He he was practicing with the team, or at least um, in the offseason. Uh, in the, the offseason with, with some of those guys. Mm-hmm. And He's waiting to see if a team is going to step up and offer him a contract. You know, I mean, he hasn't officially retired. Right. Yeah. He, it's it's just the same with like Justin Williams and some yep. of these other guys he's taking you know, a leap Bufflin's. of absence. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of these players, like Bufflett is a bit of a shock because I think he's still considered like he's a so solid player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could he could uh, step right into the lineup and, and be a driving force still. Uh, but but once these players get a little bit older and the, and they start to lose an edge, uh, they start thinking about. Uh, you know maybe it's time to hang it up maybe it's time to think about life after hockey uh, and I think that's where Marlowe's at he, he's he's at a crossroads uh, because he is uh, obviously he was a fantastic leader for for Matthews for Marner mm-hmm. he, he was a, a great role model for those guys team dad exactly team dad, yeah like yeah. a perfect guy to have around yeah but you don't want to play, pay a guy like that $6 million a year exactly. if he's not going to put up 50, 60 points. Yeah. And he wasn't he wasn't producing like that. And he also wasn't great defensively at the end. Oh, yeah, no, like, no, no, exactly.
1: So and, he, he wasn't bringing the value that... Yeah, I, I, you know, I do brought. recall, I remember when Marlowe did sign in after it was a three-year contract. And in my mind, I'm like, this contract is one year too long. And it, it, it turned out to be one year too long. But again, I understand it's one of those guys where it's like, hey, you're a veteran, you've done so much. You play more than a role that's just... Putting up points, it's to kind of usher in the next generation. But again, at six point two five million or whatever he was making, it begins to become a burden on the team. So exactly.
0: But. So uh, it was it was an unnecessary uh, cost of doing business. Uh, I, I think he wouldn't have come to Toronto if he didn't get that extra third year. I think San Jose offered him the two year deal, and yep. other teams did too. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the time, Lula Amorello. Stepped up and gave him that extra year, and it it cost the Leafs. It it honestly it it cost them a first round pick, but at least they were able to get out of this, uh, out of his contract, and uh, be able to basically afford to re-sign Marner. Uh, But not only did they have to do do that, they traded Zaitsev and Connor Brown package deal uh, to Ottawa for Cody CC and uh, and Ben Harper, and then uh, CC immediately re-signs a one year deal. Extension with Toronto for 4.5 million a year, which is what Zaitsev was making. So, a lot of people thought, "Oh, oh, they're just trading for CC. They're uh, they're just going to walk away from uh, an arbitration award." Mm-hmm. But uh, f- for whatever reason, it looks like Leaf Management sees something in CC, uh, and they think that they can uh, they can get a player out of them. They they think that they can get something there.
1: Maybe they're right. Uh, yeah. Maybe with from- a better team structure. Because again, Ottawa last year. Tire fire. Exactly. Nobody was getting like everybody's going to get exposed on a bad team. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are, you will get exposed. So for sure. Yeah. So
0: I think they're right. I think they they will be able to to get more out of him than Ottawa did. Certainly, he's not a perfect player. Uh, he's definitely very flawed. Uh, if you look at almost any advanced uh, metrics, analytics, stats, they're all going to say CC is is one of the worst defenders in the league uh, based on past performance. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully he improves this year And uh, Will at least be able to play him in the top six Without worrying about Having a, a huge anchor there uh, We'll see I- I'm still skeptical I, I don't think that uh, That he is uh, Going to work out long term But I hope that he can at least uh, in- Increase his ability over what he did last year So We'll, we'll see how that plays out uh, Other moves at least made Obviously um one of the bigger deals was uh, trading Kadri to Colorado uh, for Tyson Berry and, and Alex Kerfoot. Uh, very interesting trade. So, obviously, we, we, we talked about this and, and Kadri's antics in the playoffs and how that might have played a role in, in this deal. Uh, the team came out and said, no, that didn't factor in. But you have to think that's probably, at least in the back of your mind, if, if you're Kyle Dubas, seeing Nazem Kadri mm-hmm. take himself out two years in a row. Yeah. Something had he's to be become done. a detriment to the team. And yeah. he also, I think, was a little bit miscast as the third-line center. He's He's got second-line center talent. Yeah, it, 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 On some teams, he might even be a, f- a first-line caliber player. He, he's a guy that can score 30 goals a year. Yeah, and maybe on Ottawa. Exactly. Ottawa, Detroit. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Ottawa, Detroit, L.A. There you go. First-line center. He's the first-line center. There you go. <laughs> uh, but on most teams, second-line, no problem. Second-line, yeah. He, no, he's be. a quality second-line center. The Leafs, after bringing in Tavares, that's... Uh, Carolina has scored just for those of you uh, listening <laughs> in at home we've got, this, we've got the Montreal uh, Carolina game uh out the background game. here yeah. uh, I love hockey <laughs> I'm going to try not to get distracted so so do I Yeah. <laughs> so yeah Kadri uh, I think he made his bed uh he will succeed in Colorado they needed scoring depth they're they're kind of like Boston that they've got that that one amazing line yeah. and then after that it falls off a little Boston's deeper obviously than Colorado mm-hmm. uh, but Colorado shored up a, a lot of their uh, their offense this year bringing in Burkowski from mm-hmm. Washington uh, training for Kadri mm-hmm. they've got some depth now yeah. I mean, and they now they've got um, um, Kale uh, Makar on defense uh, yeah. to take over. He basically slots right in and uh, takes over uh, Barry's, Barry's play yeah. responsibilities. So they felt like they had the talent to be able to trade away Barry mm-hmm. uh, without losing too much. Uh, luckily uh, for the Leafs, I think, yes, they're they're only getting one year out of Barry before he becomes a free agent and, and signs a $8 million a year contract after this, uh, almost certainly. Uh, but they, they do get um, Alex Kerfoot locked up uh, for a multi-year contract. So, uh, effectively, um, uh, Nassim Kadri's replacement at third line C. Very good uh, very good pickup there. I, I think that's an underrated part of that deal. Mm. Uh, and, oh my goodness, just watching Tyson Berry on the ice... Uh, I don't know if you saw the play he made uh, in the game last night. He basically walked right into the Ottawa zone, did a spinorama to evade the defender, passed it over, goal. Uh, like, it's just, the, the, you can't write this stuff up any better than that. You can't. But it's so flashy. It, it was against Ottawa. So for sure, let's, I mean, let's not draw too many conclusions what? from from a bottom bottom feeding, <laughs> terrible, uh, awful tire fire of a franchise like Ottawa and fan base.
1: <laughs> Just kidding, Ottawa fans. Kidding, not kidding. You know, am you I are. really? <laughs> but you, you know, like let's wait until we see how the game unfolds this weekend when we see Toronto versus Montreal. Uh, Fair enough. All right. We'll see. Let's see what Taylor Barry can do. Let's see if he can do a little spinorama coming in. (laughs) I guess Shea Weber. Can you imagine if he
0: tries to do that? (laughs) Weber's just gonna (laughs) clock him into the boards. Yeah, you're right. There there are uh, there are limits, but uh, uh, he knows how to pick his spots. No, exactly. uh,
1: Exactly. He's uh, he's super talented. No, for sure. And and that's what a smart player does. Fantastic player to watch. They pick their spots when when they're gonna pick and choose to do something fancy or not. You know, Barry's a great. I I've always liked Barry. Phenomenal, phenomenal defense, which is yeah. I like him. He's great. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll
0: see how he does uh, against Montreal, certainly, and uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, some other moves of note, uh, less uh, catastrophic, uh, earth-changing moves. Uh, Garrett Sparks was traded. I think everybody saw this coming. Uh, Sparks just didn't have a great year last yeah. year. Uh, Dubas made a bet that uh, Sparks would uh, would work out better than McIlhenny, and I think. Uh, from the outside in, it makes sense. You you want to keep your guy that's 25 versus your guy that's 35 years old exactly, career right. backup. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it, it didn't work out, and to make matters worse, McElhenney has one of the best years of his entire career with oh, Carolina, yeah. uh, and now he's with Tampa, and is probably going to be a, an excellent backup there on a, a very stacked team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he looks like a, a, a solid choice for them. Sparks, I wish him well. I hope uh, I hope he's able to resuscitate his career with Vegas. Uh, he's, he's now their third string because they, they've got Malcolm Subban up uh, playing uh, backup to, Fleury. Uh, to Marc-Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he was traded for uh, David Clarkson's contract. So okay. welcome back to Toronto, David <laughs> Clarkson. We missed you. Uh, isn't this hilarious? Uh, <laughs> what are they doing? They're uh, they're circumventing the cap? Yeah. You know. what, what's happening
1: here? Uh, I, we're getting real creative. You know, I really do think, like, in all honesty, this, this really has to change, I think, personally, because you have these teams that, again, cash-heavy teams, Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, Boston, they can easily do this. They make all the money in the world. They can trade for these bad contracts, but it's a handful of teams that can really only do this. There's not a whole bunch. So... It just seems unfair. Like if I were other owners in the league, other GMs, like I'd be like, no, this can't happen anymore. You should not be able to trade for players those guys. That were they're on.
0: getting benefits too. Like yeah. Vegas is rating themselves of a, an anchor contract that uh, I, I don't. Know. Was it Clarkson's that wasn't insured? No, it was Horton's. Yeah. So that that doesn't come into play here. But for them, uh, it's it's one less thing to to worry about, and they're going to get something out of it. And they get a, in this case a backup goalie. Uh, but they're, they're a cash trap team, so yeah. I'm sure that's helpful for them. Uh, so there are benefits being on the opposite side of it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like if you're like a middle tier team that, that can't afford to, to make that deal and, and you don't have those boat anchor contracts, right. then yeah, it's going to be annoying for you. <laughs> oh, well.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. But oh well, until the CBA comes up for renewal. <laughs> exactly. Oh well, it's exactly. within
0: the rules, and the Leafs know that. And, exactly. and they've got smart guys on their team that are taking advantage. One yeah. uh, other deal of note for the Leafs. Minor deal. Uh, they they sent out uh, Andreas Borgman to uh, St. Louis for Jordan Schmaltz. It's kind of a minor swap. Schmaltz didn't make the team. He's with the Marlies right now. But it's yet another example of uh, just trying to get more depth on the team, uh, sh- shore that up, and, uh, uh, and really just make another play to try to, uh, to win uh, a Calder Cup down there. And, and they've got a good team this year. They're going to be fun to watch. You know, so that's on the Leaf
1: side. Uh, what about the Habs, Kev? What, uh, what did they do this offseason of note? So if we look at the trades, the Habs are actually relatively quiet this year. Um, and again, there was a lot of flax saying like, oh, Montreal should be doing a lot more, this and this and this with their trades. But again, I looked at the team that they had last year, just barely missing out on the playoffs, just finishing two points behind Toronto. Again, I just want to put this out there. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, so the, the two trades Montreal did were, um, so they traded Nick Delorier, who was really a depth player, uh, for a fourth round pick from the Anaheim Ducks, you get a pick out of it. Yep, and then the the other bigger, well, a little bit more of a surprise, Andrew Shaw, who had a career year last year, battle is battling some concussion issues because he's had multiple ones in his in his career. Um, so the Habs traded Andrew Shaw and a seventh round pick in 2021 um, for a second and a seventh round pick in the 2020 draft. Back and to a, Chicago. Back to Chicago, and. Uh, also got a third-round pick in 2021. So a great pickup, again, Bergeret is always about drafting players, getting players. you got to build from within. And I, I will give it to him. He's always followed that mantra of you. the only way to build a contender is by draft picks. And he is right. If you want to build a team that's going to last for years and years and years, you, you want to have a legacy, you need to have draft picks. And so I thought that was a great move. I thought the players that the Montreal had, they presented in a way where it made Andrew Shaw a little bit expendable. You know, Max Domi is to me—he's a way better version of Van Der And they got
0: Gallagher too. Like they've already got that sandpaper. You, you those, have those, you uh, have those, those ag-
1: yeah you have those agitators. You have those those guys that can play that role. And then you want to bring in. You also want to allow some a little bit more room to have a little bit more a little bit elite talent on the way. So again, Arturo Lehtinen coming into he just signed a new contract recently, obviously in the off season, um, re-signing Joel Arima, bigger body. Um, and then you look at the the emergence of Nick Suzuki. Who's just made the team out made of the, the camp? Team. Made the team out of camp. Nobody really. I I did not expect him to make the team out of camp. Uh, a little bit shocked, but watching him in in the preseason games, this guy was was great. He. I'm like, this guy's 20 years old. I'm like, buddy, you're ready for the NHL. I really thought he would need another a year at least in the AHL, but he's proven it. He's done put up fantastic points in the OHL every single year. He's always improved on his points. Uh, you know, this ice honestly see. A guy like uh, Nick Suzuki as the, the Toronto version or the Montreal version of Mitch Marner. I'm not saying he's Mitch Marner, but he would be the Montreal equivalent. Okay. I look at a guy like Ryan Polling who unfortunately didn't make the habs out of training camp because, you know, hey, we look at it in a certain way. Bergevin was smart in terms of he was the last cut from the team. We kind of see where Bergevin didn't want to lose any of his other players that weren't waiver-exempt, and it was the right thing to do. He played, again, he played only two games due to a concussion in the... uh from uh, who's the guy from Ottawa? That's just pretty much throwing his weight around. Oh, uh, Saborin, or I don't know if it was Saborin, was somebody or else? Borowyaki, or uh, It wasn't Maybe it may have been uh, Saborin. Saborin was remember. the guy
0: that caved in uh, Domi, right? Uh yeah, he
1: yeah, was. Yeah. He was. Yeah, yeah. I just started throwing punches at Domi, yeah. and I'm just like, it. it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Domi and uh, e- was it Eklat? Eklat. Yeah, yeah, Although that was a little bit different because they were both. Talk- it wasn't just hey, talk and punch, punch, punch. Yeah. They're both going at it. The gloves were dropped. There was a little bit of hesitation, and then punch something thrown. so Sam Sabourin or whoever the hell this guy is he had that issue with Matthews too in one of the post yeah, yeah guys, they, right they checked the name like, no they, they checked <laughs> are he that, scored against Toronto he, last he, night he, too. he did he Got did but, but Sabourin came out there was an interesting quote that came out that oh guys like Matthews need to respect the league like they're they're not respect and I'm just like buddy I, I, I thought it <laughs> Again, as the Habs fan looking at what Matthews did, I saw nothing wrong because to me I saw funny. Thing, it funny. It was really funny. Because even Matthews, he was laughing. I think he kind of saw it as a, a yeah. chuckle. I don't. I, maybe Sabourin took it off as, "Oh, that's being disrespectful." Well, then, buddy, you need to relax a bit. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. You're fighting for a spot in the league. You want to be on the team, but it, it, it was one of those things where it's like maybe Matthews has never seen you playing before. It's your first year. And So he wants to know who you are. So it's like yeah. it's like, buddy. <laughs> Take it easy, you know. Like for just, sure, just, I, I think it was
0: more like Boruiaki had a quote. I think it was coming from him more. Like oh. I think he was offended on behalf of his teammate. <laughs> like oh, you can't be doing that. Like it's not respectful. And, sure, buddy. Like whatever. Let's yeah. let's let's be honest. You and Saborin are goons. Yeah, You're goons. It, it, and exactly. almost any other team in the league, you wouldn't have a job. Yeah, right you, now you because be the league job. the league has evolved yeah. past. Uh, playing uh, just pure bruisers it's it's not that league anymore yeah. it's a skill league now, it's a fast league and you, you guys don't fit that mold it's unfortunate that you don't have a job anymore but uh, you're just not the same type of player and if you're listening to this podcast, please don't beat the shit out of me, if you see me in the streets <laughs> yeah. uh, just, just know that uh, I respect you as a human being okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're all humans <laughs> that's where the respect comes in after that, no, nothing else nothing else so, uh,
0: okay, let's let's talk free agent signings, because there was a whole bunch uh, this year. Uh, the, the Leafs are basically on a spending spree when it came to shoring up their depth players. Uh, they literally shored them up by buying uh, Nick Shore. Uh, that's a little pun there for the little name pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also got Pondis well, uh obviously Jason Spezza, uh, to try to fill that 4C four, four spot.
1: You know, just after Spezza thing, you know, there's a whole controversy of not allowing Spezza to play against the Ottawa Senators. Yeah.
0: Like. I, I feel like they should have at least given that game. I, I get it if he's not, if he's not as good as other players in the lineup. Right. Yes, it makes sense to sit him. I And I respect that you're not just automatically giving the spot to the veteran. Yeah. And you're playing a younger guy. Yeah. But at the same time, dude, like the guy, the guy grew up in Ottawa, like that was his team. He's never, and he's from Toronto, he's never had
1: yeah. that chance. Now, yeah.
0: like, this would be that chance. Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, he will get another one, but being the first game, it's one of yeah. those things. And again, it's it's kind of
0: special, right? So it is.
1: It is. And it's a and bit and of a dick
0: move on Babcock's part. It to is. Like, to sit up. Yeah. What can you do?
1: Just another reason why he's on the hot seat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, this does rub the veterans the wrong way, or even players in general, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, people are paying attention to this well, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a story. I don't think it needs to be that big of a story, no, but it's, it's no. definitely a story that people are talking about. So take it for what you will. Uh, for all things considered, Spezza has uh, been told that he will be playing in the next game. So, so, so they are going to play him. We'll, we'll see what he can come up with. Uh, but, yeah, he was just one of many players that the Leafs signed. So you got Nick Shore, Aberg, Spezza, uh, Kevin Gravel, Kenny Agostino. Matt Reed was signed recently to an AHL contract. They had him on a, on a tryout. Uh, they brought in some players from Europe, uh, obviously uh, uh, Ilya Mikihayev, uh, who scored the goal last night against Ottawa, and then T- uh, Timu uh, Kevihalme, uh who, who was brought over from the Swedish League. So lots of, uh, lots of depth to shore up the, the bottom lines uh, of the team, and also uh, mostly on the Marlies, and even in some cases even shoring up the Growlers out uh, in Newfoundland. Uh, so the Leafs are doing a good job at stocking the cupboards uh, with, with some of these veterans. A lot of these guys that uh, didn't make the team are, I would consider, like, decent NHL players. Like, Kenny Agostito, he played for the Habs, right? Yeah, like, he played yeah. a little bit for the Habs. Uh. One of those fringe players, right? Yeah, like yeah. He's like a fringe he's, NHL, AHLer, right? So. Yeah, like he's, he's right there. Like, a lot of people call these guys, like, quad A players. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, you're, you're almost too good for the AHL, maybe not quite good enough for the NHL. Those tweeners that are uh,
1: just... Right there, like they're, they're good depth to have. What do they call the guys that are not better, not good enough for the AHL and just not good at hockey? <laughs> um. <laughs> me, <laughs> you and me, man. There yeah, you know. go.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's why we're on a podcast and not on uh, not on the ice. <laughs> Please don't make me cry.
1: Anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh. Uh, on the Habs side, so Habs made some signings too. Uh, yeah, uh, Kevin, you want to talk about that? Yeah, obviously. The t- I mean, Habs brought in um, guys like Riley Barber, uh, Nick yep. Cousins. Again, great depth players. I like again what they bring to the team. A lot of speed, a lot of intensity. Riley Barber obviously signed to the AHL. Mm-hmm. Nick Cousins makes the team. Great, off- great preseason. Uh, what I was really, what I did really like to see what Montreal did was they really kind of firmed up the spots where they were lacking last year, and this is why. I, again, I was very happy with the moves they did this year. They didn't need to retool a lot of the team. Now, you can look back to it last year when Montreal had Anti Miami as their backup. They bet on him. He had a great year the previous year. They bet on him to have another great year, and he just shit the bed completely. Could you say that Montreal missed on the playoffs because of anti Miami? Probably. You know, like yeah, when it comes down to that, like it, two, two or four points, right? Exactly. So it came down to where Montreal did not have a reliable backup, and this was a great move. I like it. They brought in Keith Kincaid um, two years ago in uh, New Jersey. I uh, believe he hit uh, Kincaid, and who's their goalie right now? Gary Price? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> on, on New Jersey. Uh, Oh, uh, they got uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, and then they've got Corey Schneider. Corey Schneider, that's what I was thinking about. I think Corey Schneider got injured that year, and uh, Keith Kincaid kind of carried New Jersey. Yeah, he had a a great year last uh, year. Not last year, but the year before. Yeah, yeah. and then last last year he struggled. Struggled last year. So I think it's, again, I I think having Keith Kincaid uh, is the perfect backup for Carey Price. He can easily play 20, 25 games, and I think he can win the majority of them with the team Montreal has. And the other side of it was Montreal brought in uh, Ben Chariot to uh, pick up for what Carl Carl Osmer, Osmer was supposed to do right. which was playing on you know, the second period uh, left side defenseman with, with Jeff Petrie. Um, I love out in the preseason. I can't remember what, what the game was or who it was with. Uh, he came in and I, I, again I like it. He came to protect Carey Price dropped the glove started roughing up. I can't remember who the player was or where the team was. I, I don't think it really merited him to do it but it was nice to see the guy standing up being like you, know, you can't come around our goalie. Great. And Perfect state home defense and big guy six feet, over six foot, 200-something pounds, can, and can still skate really well. So it was nice to see that Bergeret did the right things to fine-tune the team and to bring him really, it, it didn't require that, oh, you need to go get Patrick Laine, although that would have been nice. Oh, you yeah. know to go get Sebastian although that would have been nice. He but tried. He, tried. He, he did try, but, you know, I kind of break why did you offer Sheet Laine? But anyways, you know, <laughs> I just, I would just, it would just be so much great. Even the Toronto Montreal rivalry, Liney versus Matthews, Liney versus uh, Matthews. That would have been
0: fantastic. Oh, it would have been great. I, but I would, have, I would have enjoyed that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely a missed opportunity. But who oh, totally. you knows? So, uh, he only sends a two year deal. Maybe he's gone after this. Uh, maybe so it doesn't maybe. seem like he's super happy in uh, in Winnipeg right now. Oh. Yeah. He, who knows what uh, what the future
1: will hold. Yeah, let's see. And um, if we look yeah. at departures from the Montreal Canadiens, really there weren't yeah. a whole lot. Um, Jordy Ban left, signed so with uh, Hometown Vancouver. Right. Um, I love Jordy Ban. He had a great year last year, but I really don't expect him to be doing... A- anything special in Vancouver? He's a
0: depth guy. He is a depth guy. Ultimately replaceable, yeah. but uh, yeah, he, he had uh, he had some good time there
1: for oh, sure. Yeah. I, I remember him uh, yeah. making some good defensive plays. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, he had a he had a career year last year. And again, it's always funny seeing those players having career years in the year that the contract is up. Yeah, right. And then <laughs> yeah. kind of beg to question. How <laughs> well, convenient? Yeah, exactly. coincidence? <laughs> is it not? I don't know. And uh, obviously, Anti Niemi leaving to go play in the KHL or right. Swedish league or wherever the hell he is, but good riddance. Um, hmm. But, I mean, those were probably the biggest names, free agent departures. That's that Stanley Cup out.
0: winner, anti-TMA.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How many years ago was that?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, on, on the leaf side, uh, obviously a lot of turnover. But in terms of free agent departures, there was really only three. Uh, they lost Tyler Ennis Tyler and Ron Hainsey, both signed in Ottawa, hilariously. Uh, and Jake Gardner, who, for the longest time, I thought he might actually be coming back because he held out for pretty much the whole summer didn't sign. Yeah. Um, you
1: know, I, I really thought Montreal was going to sign him because he signed a very team-friendly deal with Carolina. He did. And
0: he, he's making the same money that he was making on the Leafs. Like, this is a guy that I thought was going to get 6 or $7 million a season. Like, look what uh, Tyler Myers got in Vancouver. Yeah. That's – I mean, Jake Gardner has in my opinion, way more talented than Myers. Myers is a different defense. I mean He's a physical guy, uh, so they, they bring different things to the game. But uh, Jake Gardner is, is certainly a talented player. The fact that he only got 4 point whatever million a year uh, was shocking to me. Uh, I did hear that he turned down the Habs. I heard that he didn't want to play for Montreal, S- sort of like how, um, um, what's-his-name, from Montreal a few years back didn't want to play for the Leafs and went to Buffalo. Kev, do you remember who that player was? The player that um, Josh George's. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Although I don't think that was the same dynamic with, um, with with Garner. I I, I, you didn't want to go to a bad team. You're right. Well played, good sir. Well played. <laughs> um, you know, maybe it is, but I, I really never saw that in Gardner. Like, yeah, Josh Georges always had a thing where he hated Toronto. I, again, that was that rivalry. He respected the rivalry. He respected yeah. the rivalry. And I, to me, Jake Gardner, I'm not taking anything away from Jake Gardner. I, I I thought he got a bad rap with the Leafs, and we saw it when he was out of the lineup. The Leafs, defensively, were a much horrible team without him there. So he took a lot of flack, but he it's did. like... It's not all on this guy, and, and I, I hope to see him tear it up in Carolina this year, put up some proper points, and then leave sense to be like, hey, shut your mouth now. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember you guys had this guy before and you ripped yeah. on him? <laughs> Take it easy, right? So Yeah,
0: there was a lot of fans that uh, complained pretty loudly about uh, Jay Gardner, so I hope he has a great year for Carolina. I hope he does well with them. Uh, and wow, that, that defense is stacked over there, too. Like They've got top to bottom. That's got to be one of the best uh, defense uh, tandems in the league. Uh, so they're going to be fun to watch this year. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, j- just shifting gears a little bit, let's talk about the preseason for a bit uh, and focus in on uh, what you would consider some surprises and disappointments. So in, in terms of the Habs, which players st- stood out to you and which players were you were you hoping to see more of that didn't quite live up to expectations?
1: So the first of all, like, the, Hab- the players that really surprised me were... Uh Caleb Fleury, who made the team. Uh, last year he played Is he Hayden Fleury's brother? He is Hayden Fleury's yeah, brother. That's you it. Know, this is actually a funny, uh funny thing you bring it up. So Hayden Fleury actually plays for Carolina. And uh, in, in the game tonight, so they, they showed up Caleb Fleury, Hayden Flurry playing against each other. Oh, cool. And uh, Nick Suzuki's brother has also been drafted by Carolina. What do you know? So it's, it's, kind of, it's one of those funny little things where are seeing, hey, you know, two players on each.
0: Parents must be uh, awfully interested. Oh, oh
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 Who do they cheer for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you had to wear one of those half jerseys. You ever seen yeah. those? That's <laughs> like half Carolina, half Montreal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so Cale Fleury surprised me making the team uh, on the third pairing defenseman. Uh, he looked great out there. Really, really good. Again, beat out guys like I don't know, uh, Christian Foley Mike Riley, who's always seemed to be, those two guys both seem a little bit. Bridge, yeah. Tweeners type of thing. Uh, again, Nick Suzuki, great great preseason, made the team, and right deservedly. So it's, I would like to see him at least get that shot playing maybe just under the 10 game mark, you know, and then kind of send him, so you don't burn that first year of his contract. Yeah, Send him to the AHL and then call up, call back up Ryan Polling who's already burned the first year of his contract playing... I think, however... Um, actually, no, did he? No, he Diddy? did not, actually. He only played he's in one game. Yeah. yeah, so... And then I would rather bring up Ryan Poley to be who's more physically ready I think for the game he's, yeah, he's, he's there. Way yeah. right there. Um, he Caden looked good Pri- last year, that's yeah. for sure. In that way, and uh, yeah. Caden Primo looked... Yep. Like, and this this guy looks to be Carey Price's, you know, replacement when he gets there, but in the preseason, this guy was on fire, and he is big and, like, lanky out there. Once he starts to fill up, this guy's going to be a wall. So it, it was great. Those were the, the nice highs that I saw. Um, my disappointments, Charles Houdon, Uh Yeah, he's he, always been a guy that seems like like
0: he he should have a better year than he's having, and I don't know, maybe he just can't put it all together. Yeah, or it, it seems
1: like it, is it, the effort not there. Like the, is the effort it? is there, and that's why I kind of again he's one of those guys where I think he would benefit more from uh, a trade, just for a trade, a change in scenery. Because uh, watching him in the off season. Uh, sorry, in the preseason games, the effort was there. It just looks like he's just trying too hard because he can feel the pressure on him. Uh, and again, trade him, get get like let him let him restart somewhere else. I think that's, that's, right. that's the best thing for his development. Um, the other disappointment would be Jonathan Tremblay, who every year seems to be that he has it he doesn't have it he has it he has all the potential in the world but he just can't seem to put together no matter where he is yeah he's still that's, that's young I mean it's 24 20, he's still a young player yeah
0: yeah he's not, he's not done he's yet not let's, done let's yet. give him another chance exactly or Exactly. maybe but, he can He can have a nice rebound year this year we'll yeah, see what happens
1: exactly and, and, and but I. the rest of it I mean it's the team works I mean they, they start off the preseason on fire lost two games then won the last one so you know it was how many games did they lose to the Leafs Listen, let's not talk about that. It's only the preseason, so who cares? We'll <laughs> but, be watching on Saturday. <laughs> but the real season actually starts. Yeah, yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> so, uh, looking at the other side of the coin, uh, on the Leafs side, uh, I was very impressed with uh, with Rasmus Sandin, who, uh, in my opinion, is the best player named Rasmus in the league. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, Mr. Daleen and Mr. Aristolainen. Uh, we've got a player here. Uh, Sandin looks way, way mature beyond his years. He was making plays out there that like a 10-year veteran makes. Uh, it, it's, it's great to see that um, we were getting a guy like that who was like, so desperately needed, the defensive prospects. is was the one thing that Toronto's always lacked the last several years. And, uh, and I think we finally found the answer in Sandine. I'm hoping that Lilligrand is another answer, but it looks like he needs a little bit more time to develop. Uh, Sandine has all the tools though. Like he's he's good in his own zone. Uh, he's aggressive. He's physical when he needs to be. Uh, he knows when to pinch, when not to. He can make offensive plays. Great player to watch. So I, I think he might actually stick around. There's going to be some some challenge. Right now, Dermot is hurt. So when Dermot comes back from injury, they're going to have to juggle the lineup a little bit. Somebody's going to get cut. It, it might be Sanding. Uh, he is waiver eligible, so they could just send him down.
1: How much does Dermot make though? Because now this brings up the whole cap situation, right? Like so, D-
0: Dermot is uh, I've, I've got Cap Friendly up right now, and Dermot is only making eight hundred sixty-three thousand. So not much. Sanding. Sanding Sandin is actually making a little bit more. Oh, is he? Okay, 8- so that 894. actually. Eight ninety-four. Okay, yeah. so well, there you go. Okay,
1: so the lease will be okay. With that.
0: Yeah, I, I think they would be fine uh, when he comes back. Uh, they might have to send uh, like Mar- Marinson or somebody is going to have to sit. I think. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. They've got Justin up right now too, uh, but he's only making 675 grand, which is like less than league minimum uh, because they sent him last year. Uh, so they're going to have uh, some contract juggling to do, I think, when, uh, when he comes back. But all things considered, Sandy's had a great preseason. He's looking good already. He looked good against Ottawa. Uh, the other guy that I thought played great in the preseason and has carried that play over to the regular season is uh, we've talked about him already, uh, Russian star Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, so there was a there was a funny picture of him uh, when he first came over. Uh, it was like a selfie that him and Babcock and another guy took in front of a gas station by, uh, by the Mastercard Center in an Etobicoke, and it just looked Classy. like the goofiest. Yeah, it just like the goofiest thing, like something you would do, just like with like I don't know your bro or something.
1: Look, I'm in Canada.
0: But but honestly, like this this player has. Uh, has really impressed me. I, I love, uh, I love his efforts. Uh, he makes smart plays. Uh, he had a great goal uh, against Ottawa last night. Very exciting player to watch. He's young, uh, and and I think one of the great stories about him uh, was, uh, so he's Russian. He is a translator. Uh, and, uh, he wasn't expected to speak very good English. He hadn't really done any interviews. They had a scrum last night after he scored his first goal, and, and he did great. Like he was he was speaking, responding in English. Uh, he said one thing that bothered him about Canada was uh, why don't uh, why don't you uh, drink soup here?" more? Uh, he was like complaining that people weren't drinking enough soup. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy's so quirky, like, he's such a funny guy. It's amazing.
1: Because we have solid
0: food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I-, I think he's gonna be a fun player to watch. I'm
1: looking forward. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, Brzezgalov. You know, he was yeah, way out there. Yeah, but I love these guys. Yeah. They're just wacky. I love it. Yeah, lovely, yeah, like, yeah.
0: The, the game needs more of that. The, exactly. The more yeah. personality is never a bad thing. <laughs> uh, unless you're Captain Underpants, and we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the Leafs disappointments. appointments. Uh, Jason Spezza, I think, had an underwhelming preseason. Uh, whether it was because he thought that he was, you know, guaranteed a spot on the team or what. He just didn't bring as much intensity as I was hoping. And maybe it's because he just doesn't have enough left in the tank anymore. Like, he's getting older. He didn't look like a great player last year in Dallas. I don't know if he's good enough to, like, obviously Babcock doesn't think he's good enough to mm. consistently make the team. He sat him against Ottawa. Yeah.
1: Um, but maybe, hey, that's what he needs is a kick in the pants maybe. to realize, yeah, hey, it's not going to be a cakewalk here. Exactly. Okay.
0: And then the other guy I was a little bit disappointed in, and this is more just due to circumstances and injury luck, is, uh, is Michael uh, Dweberth. They brought him in on a PTO. I thought he might actually be more talented than uh, Hutchinson and yeah. he might be able to steal that backup spot. Mm-hmm. But he was—he was even getting hurt the preseason, and that's the biggest knock against him: is hes in injuring trouble. trouble. Yeah, and you just—you can't take that chance. So they had to release him. Uh, so hopefully, he—he uh, he finds his way and, and and plays hockey somewhere else. But uh, it's not going to be with the Leafs this year.
1: So, so speaking of Captain Underpants.
0: Yeah. So obviously, uh, a big part of. Uh, big, big part of the off season was, um, uh, which we just found out about, was Matthews uh, coming up and uh, and doing uh, what, in many cases, is a reprehensible thing. Yeah. Uh, he got really drunk uh, and uh, was accosting uh, female security guard in her car, just trying to fill out some paperwork, and was like trying to get into her car with his two buddies at two in the morning. Yeah. Not a great look, man. No. Uh, you just you don't do that. Uh, I know people are young and and do stupid things. Everybody about Trump, does but dumb things. Yeah. This is a bit. This is a bit much. Like, come on, what is she going to be thinking? Like, this is just not a cool thing. So, I one of the worst parts is was he didn't tell the team. He didn't tell anybody. He tried to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And then when it became a big deal, he's like, he's all contrite and is apologizing, but you know, the damage has been done. Exactly. Uh, it's just not a great look and. Uh, I think, and many people are convinced that it cost him the captaincy. I think uh, it did. Personally, which, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you might be right. It's it's something that just goes to show that he's, he's still got some uh, some maturing to do, and hopefully he can get past this. He can learn from this. Uh, he cannot do things like this in the future, and and can see the incident for what it was as as a mistake, and uh, and uh, and he can move on from this. But it's definitely not something that uh, you like to see. I was. I was very disappointed that it happened. I, I definitely lost a, a little bit of respect for him. Uh, but honestly, I, as a fan, you just hope that uh, that he's going to learn from this and, and and just be a better person.
1: Exactly, and, and that's really what's got to be taken out of this whole situation. I mean, nothing bad happened, luckily. I'm not trying to justify what he did. Some people will say, boys will be boys. You can't use that excuse anymore. I'm sorry. It's a different time everyone lives in. It's a much more prominent issue. You can't just try... again. It's a joke that went bad. I get it. They're just, you know, their whole reaction was, "Oh, we just want to see what she would do." You want to see what she would do? She would get, she would freak out. Yeah, that would be like it. It just like put yourself in her shoes. Exactly. What are you, you going to think if you're yeah. a
0: woman alone in her car and three
1: random dudes approach you exactly in the middle of the night at two a.m. trying cool. to get into that's your car? Just, that's yeah, not. That's, that's just not cool. Not a cool thing. And even the whole issue situation with when she brought the situation to his dad, saying that, "Oh, look, your son did this." Blah 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 you know, apologize, whatever it is. And his dad went up to say, oh, my son would never do this, yada, yada, yada. She showed him the video and dead silence. So admit you are wrong. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Had there been an apology earlier, she charges probably wouldn't have been pressed. Really what it came down to, right? And that's probably when Matthews could have just let it sweep under the rug. But whether it was bad advice from his father or whatever the case might be, but you as a professional hockey player or any professional athlete need to carry yourself in a much more dignified manner. Just being who you are. So it's one of those things. I really do hope Matthews does move on from this. Phenomenal player. I like to watch him on the ice. For sure. And he does great things on the
0: ice. I hope he I hope he continues to do that. And I hope he learns from this. Exactly. But it also carries on that you have to be great off the ice as well. Plain and simple. And I think that's the qualities that uh, John Tavares exemplifies. And that is why they named him captain. Right? It's right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's right there. Yeah. So
0: Tavares, uh, logical choice. They introduced him as captain uh, at the start of the game against Ottawa it's a it's a it's a solid choice i think you can't you can't do any wrong yeah he's a bit of a robot he doesn't have a lot of personality who cares yeah. he conducts himself like a professional on and off the ice he's a star player he's going to be a good role model for others he, he plays the game hard uh and uh, he's a competitor and that's really all you can ask for so all right all things being considered let's uh let, let's wrap things up but before we do let's talk predictions best part of the year, prognosticating. Uh, looking like uh, an expert and then going back down the line and seeing if you were just an idiot or if you were uh, actually right. (laughs) Uh, Kev, what do you think is going to happen with
1: the Leafs and the Habs? Well, okay, so for the Leafs, I actually think that they will finish first in the division.
0: You heard it! Kevin said it, not me! <laughs> Kevin is
1: higher on the leash than I am. Can I believe it? The, the reason why I'm saying this, um, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from Boston or Tampa. Well, no, take as much away from them as you want. <laughs> but I I looked at it personally as, to me, the Leafs, what they really lacked last year was defensemen and defensive depth. And really, I will give it to Dubas that to me, he really shored that up this year by bringing in your Tyson Barry and uh, Cody CC. Playing top line sure. missions. Not entirely yeah. sure, but Jake Buzzin as well, who came in last year. Yeah. Their top four is way better than the top four from last year. And again, 100%. To me, that was their Achilles heel. And this is why I think, again, having Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander. Top six on, is so stacked. It's, it's stacked. They have what it takes. Freddie Anderson in the net. It's been great every year that he's been a winner. They shored up their weaknesses. They did. It was the right thing to do. So this is why I think, I mean, they're going to be a goal scoring machine believe. So. Score more goals, better defense. Hey, this is this is the recipe that they need. I really think this is their year where they can really make a serious push. So at least finishing first in the division is my prediction. Um, for the Habs, wow. I, I have them finishing fourth. And so this is probably going to be behind either Boston or Tampa, finishing second and third, whatever it is. I think Montreal is a – I get it. Florida brought in – Coach Quinville, one of the greatest coaches in the league. Uh, you, they brought in Borbowski. They're stacked up front with talent. But I also don't think that – I think there's going to be a little bit of issue with cohesion, getting that first year under wraps. I'm not trying to – again, not trying to take away anything from Florida. I think probably in the, the following year they'll be up there. But I think this is going to be a little bit of a transition year for the Panthers. So this is why, again, why I think Montreal, having the team that they've had the last few years, what they've done, the players that are coming up – much can. I think they can finish fourth.
0: I don't disagree. I have them uh, pegged at fourth as well, uh, for the exact same reasons. I, I think Florida is very good, but I, I still see some weakness on defense there. Uh, they've typically been a pretty porous team. Uh, Bobrovsky will shore up a lot of that, but it's not all going to be uh, able to for him to solve all the all their problems back there. So. Yeah, I see the Habs finishing ahead of Florida. I have the Leafs finishing second. I, I think they're gonna. Whoa. Yeah, I, I think they're gonna surpass Boston. But I, I still see Tampa as, as being a front runner there. It's, it's hard to bet against Tampa. They're they're just a, a team without really any weaknesses, uh, except for the playoffs apparently. So hopefully that <laughs> happens again because that was hilarious. Couldn't kind of through the Leafs. But anyways. Yeah. This is the year, though. <laughs> this is the year that they're going to beat Boston, and you heard it here on Donnie Brookin right now from me. They're beating Boston in the first round. After that, all bets are off, but they're beating Boston. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Thanks once again for listening. That was a bit of a longer episode, but we had a lot to talk about, so I uh, hope you are able to uh, to keep with us the whole time, and uh, we'll be uh, tuning in throughout, uh, throughout the season. We're, we've got uh, more episodes coming of Donnie Brookin. Uh, Next one's going to be probably in a a couple weeks or so, but uh, we will be back and we're excited to talk more hockey with you this season. So thanks again for listening.